0: And I'd like to encourage everyone to take a posture that supports awakening. <laughs> with all the um the variety of techniques, of methods of approaches to meditation all the different instructions the different concepts different language different terminology all the all the stuff that goes on around meditation it it can easily happen that we we can lose sight of what it's all about Why should I just bring my attention to rest in the belly? Why should I pay attention to the experiences of the body, especially when it's unpleasant? Why should I just be with what's happening? And I think for this reason, it's helpful from time to time to come back to basics, to come back to simplicity. The, The meditation is, in fact, a very simple thing it's it's difficult for our minds to accept simplicity and we can see that in the meditation and we can see that in our lives as well I think when we look at our daily lives and, and see how complex our lives are and if we look very closely at our lives I think we can see that we make a lot of our lives much more complex than it really needs to be. And simplicity is, is an important theme in, in the practice. I um, hadn't really actually thought of what I was going to say tonight in these terms, but actually with I guess, I guess in a sense what I'd like to explore this evening is coming to Simplicity. The, um, the the Buddha put his teachings in a very simple form. He was asked, just, what is it that you're teaching? And he said, I teach just one thing. I teach about Dukkha and the ending mm-hmm. of Dukkha. And this word Dukkha is a, a word in the Pali language, and it's most commonly translated as suffering but um, suffering isn't actually a very, I mean, probably really a very good translation because of the implications of suffering in English and what suffering means to us, what associations we have with, with suffering. But he, he used this word dukkha, and he said, I teach about dukkha and the ending of dukkha. Very simple. And, and if we can keep that simplicity in mind in the context of the practice, the intention is to understand dukkha and to end it. So dukkha is most commonly translated as suffering, but suffering in English has, um, has uh, uh, so we have certain associations with suffering and it has connotations in it, and it seems like a very big thing and and. And some of us would certainly acknowledge at times that yes, I'm really suffering when we're in the depths of despair and hopelessness and and chronic pain and and illness and all kinds of situations where we where we could, if we're honest we would say yes I'm suffering but 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 dukkha also includes much more more subtle more subtle forms of of suffering. And um, and it actually includes a whole range of of ways of being, a whole range of, of states of being. The, the whole range of any kind of dissatisfaction with what is wherever there's any dissatisfaction, even the most subtle dissatisfaction with what is in that state there's an absence of being completely at ease of being completely at peace and so in that state there's said to be dukkha we're said to be experiencing dukkha, and and even to say, even the most subtle state of dissatisfaction. Even the word dissatisfaction, there's a sense with that, and and, and sometimes we have a sense of yes, I'm dissatisfied, but I'm not suffering. And and so the the dissatisfaction is, is much more subtle than suffering, but it's still dukkha. And, and and dukkha dukkha can be so subtle that it it wouldn't even fall into the category of dissatisfaction. The the, the subtlety of, of dukkha can be to the extent and, and very often is to the extent that we're not at all aware of any mm-hmm. dis-ease or discomfort. And and, and very often it happens in our lives that, that Dukkha is, is present and, it, and it, it kind of builds within us. Mm-hmm. Probably most or maybe all of us have had this experience. And, and at some point it, it builds up and at some point we suddenly become aware of suffering. And when we reflect back, we can see how it actually hasn't just come in this moment. It's actually been an accumulation, and we can we can trace back, and we can say, oh yeah, there was that, and there was that, and there was that, and that, and we can go back, and and we can actually, in hindsight, trace back to these these very subtle dukkhas that at the time we just weren't aware of as being dukkha. The um, the most contemporary translation of, of dukkha, which which I think is is actually closer than than suffering, um, but still doesn't capture it exactly is stress. And and I think stress is a, is, a, is a good example of this. Often we're we're under stress without even being aware of it. And it's in hindsight that we realize, yes, that was a stressful situation, or I was experiencing stress there. And in hindsight, we can recognize that stress was accumulating and brought us to this point where suddenly we experience it. And the experience can come out in, in many different ways. So, so this is this is dukkha. Dukkha. The, the, all these. The, wherever there's, wherever there's any kind of conflict with life, any kind of rubbing against, any kind of dis-ease, this is Dukkha. And with this, with, with the, um, so the, so the, the, the practice, the meditation, is about understanding Dukkha and knowing Dukkha. And knowing and understanding it in a way that it comes to an end. So the bad news is that we have to... <laughs> the, the Buddha is, is actually encouraging us to give attention to our dukkha, to recognize when it's present, even in these most subtle forms. Because often it's these, most, these, these more subtle forms that are actually the... The more serious or the more severe, because we're not aware of them. So the, so the bad news is that the Buddha is encouraging us to acknowledge, to recognize and to acknowledge when dukkha is present. And then the good news is that he's saying that through this, or because we recognize and acknowledge it then there's the possibility of understanding it in a way that it comes to an end. And this is the this is the aim or the intention of the teachings and the practice. Nothing else, no more than this. So in, in a sense it's it's very simple. It's a very simple thing. And yet when we when we look at the range of Dukkha and and how it shows or doesn't show in our lives and how we experience or don't experience it it's simple but it's not easy and I think this is something that shows in in the meditation the the simplicity but the, the the lack of easiness with it it does take effort it does take determination it does take commitment it does take faith and trust it does take patience so many qualities that are necessary for this process and and in 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 bringing attention to the belly in bringing attention to the grounding and in, in the encouragement to be steady with whatever shows one thing that's happening is, is all of these qualities are actually being cultivated and being strengthened. Each time we stay steady with a pleasant or an unpleasant sensation or a mutual sensation or each time we stay steady through a change in sensations we're cultivating patience. We're cultivating clarity. We're cultivating steadiness and calmness. We're, we're cultivating all the qualities that really help us to understand more clearly and more deeply and hopefully to allow for an understanding that truly does bring an end to our dukkha so as I, as I mentioned these the, the, the most subtle dukkhas are, are in a way are the most the most serious, and um, and they and they're serious because we don't recognize them. We don't recognize them. We don't recognize when these subtle forms of dukkha are present, and yet they're they're in our being, and they're they're affecting us. And sometimes, again, in hindsight, we can be aware of how they're affecting us. So. There could be there can there can be a situation where we're, we're under some some stress without being aware of it. But then what we notice is that um, oh lately I've been much more snappy at people than I usually am. I've been much more reactive. I've been feeling much more insecurity. And we, and we start to recognize that, that these subtle dukkhas are, are affecting and, and, and sometimes to the extent of almost driving the way that we respond to life. And so the, 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 the subtle forms of dukkha by, by driving us in this way by, um, by, by supporting reactivity in a sense perpetuate the dukkha and strengthen it and 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 without the awareness rather than the possibility of of ending the dukkha it actually perpetuates it and without even realizing it without even being aware of it we're caught in the cycle of dukkha, reactivity, more dukkha. Reactivity, more dukkha. And we see it we can see it in ourselves, we can see it in others, we can see it in relationships. You know, we get in a in, in our relationship we get we're under under some stress and again often not not aware of it. And partner comes along and, and thing think about when we're when we're under stress is that we, we like to find um, cause for it (laughs) and and the causes that we find and again often without being aware of it the causes that we find most often are out there (laughs) and and whoever happens to come by first (laughs) becomes the cause (laughs) and so so our so we're 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 under some stress at work and we go home and our partner comes in and (laughs) and then and then what what ha, what what can happen is a partner is also under stress <laughs> and what comes back is rah <laughs> and 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 so the, so the 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 dukkha perpetuates and increases and it just goes back and forth and, and then hopefully at some point someone recognizes, Wait a minute this is dukkha and 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 in that moment of of recognition it often happens just in the moment of recognition this is dukkha something happens just by recognizing it something happens and it and it changes and there can be a releasing have you had that experience have you noticed that it doesn't take any effort or any doing anything just from the recognition, it's oh cool, this is insane, madness. And that releasing. Of course, it doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes we recognize it and it just hangs around. Sometimes we recognize it and it gets worse. So the the uh, so the Buddha begins his teachings by with the encouragement to recognize dukkha, to acknowledge it, to open to it, and the the recognizing, the acknowledging, the opening provides an opportunity to understand. So, what is it that we need to understand about dukkha in order to be free from it, in order to end it? to really be free from it, to really end it, we have to understand what's the cause of it. And of course, as I mentioned, when we're when we're feeling when we're experiencing dukkha, very often the cause that we come up with is something out there. It's that person or it's my job or um, all the traffic on the highway or it's um, the other drivers or it's uh, the the weather the rain the snow in canada <laughs> whatever any anything and 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 when 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 the, when the body mind is affected by a form of dukkha. When the when the dukkha affects the mind state, that mind state starts to affect the way we see everything. And so, everything we see becomes a cause for dukkha. And if we get caught up in that, if we get caught in that, in that that belief that the cause of dukkha is out there, then it's hopeless then freedom from Dukkha is hopeless. It really is. Because there is no way in this world that we can change everyone else out there or everything else out there. It's just not going to happen, no matter how hard we try. And the harder we try, the more Dukkha we're creating. And so, so, the, so the, the, the Buddha really encouraged looking into, okay, if, if the cause of Dukkha isn't out there, and, and, we, and we, can, we, can, we can see, you know, there's, there's a, a very simple way of seeing that the cause isn't out there. And, and the simple way of seeing it is that someone <laughs> or something that causes a Dukkha one day, the next day there's no problem with. You notice that? No, one day, one day with um, with uh, the computer, perfectly fine. Everything's working fine. Oh, the great computer It's really fast and uh, done. It's wonderful. And the, the next day, it kind of crashes, and then oh, this dumb computer is causing me so much stress. And I have to get a new one. It's it's not it's not the computer. And and so the, so the Buddha said to really look into this and really see what, what actually is the cause of dukkha. Because if we want to end it, we have to eliminate the cause. We have to end the cause. It's like um, when, when you go out in the garden and you're, you're weeding in the garden, and you can, you can go along and you can just kind of pick off the weeds and then you stand back, and the garden looks good. Ah, no weeds. But you go back a few hours later, and whew, there they are again. So you have to look around and find. Okay, what's this? And, and you look, and you see. Ah, this root is very deep. I better get the shovel and dig it right out. Or oh, this root's not so deep. I can just. You have to find the root, not just pluck it off. And and so often in the meditation, this is what we do. We we use the meditation to try and just pluck off our discomfort. <coughs> to pluck off the, the 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 unpleasantness, to prop up the pleasantness. And this is and this is this is where the, the factor that I spoke about of of interest, inquiry, of investigation is so important. To not just keep the meditation at the surface of, of just calmness, but to really bring in the questioning and really look. So, so when there's when there's an experience of dukkha, when there's a recognition of dukkha, to really look into it. What's causing this? And what's going to end it? The Buddha, in his exploration, Identified the cause, and and to make things a little bit easier for us, he he told us what he found to be the cause, and give us a little bit of guidance in our look, in our investigation, and and the Buddha identified the cause of dukkha as lying in craving and clinging, craving and clinging. So the cause the cause of dukkha is not in the object but rather it's in how we relate to the object when the relationship to the object is one of craving craving to get obsessing to get something or obsessing to get rid of something the craving to get or craving to get rid of or clinging holding on to grasping attachment and attachment can mean attachment to keeping, to having or attachment to getting rid of so both the 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 holding on and the pushing away both of those they're really the same thing it's really no difference at all holding on to one thing is pushing away something else Pushing away one thing is holding on to something else. So the two very much go together. And, and so the Buddha identified this as the cause. And this, this, this craving and this clinging, when we look at it what, it, what it is, is a dissatisfaction with how things are. We hold on to things because we like them We want to keep them we try to fix we we get a a kind of a, a sense of security from trying to hold on or thinking that we're holding on to something but the the reason for holding on to something the the only reason we would need to hold on to something is if we're afraid of losing it right if we think we're going to lose it, and we like it, then then we have to hold on to it. If if there's no concern of losing it, if, you know, if there's absolutely no concern whatsoever that we're going to lose it, then we're not going to hold on to it. But we hold on because of the fear of losing. The the fear of losing, I think, is. Um, I think may be a, a part of the dukkha in the sense that I think I think we know, and, and uh, I think we know at some level that things change. I think most of us have had enough life experience by now to to recognize that things change, <laughs> and and. And the, the Buddha actually identified this fact that things change, things are impermanent, as one of the key insights. It's a key insight, impermanent. And it, it's something that we have an awareness of, we, you know, we recognize it, and, and we'll say, yes, things change, and, and, and we kind of understand that. But how often do we really reflect on the implications of that? The, the, the depth of the implications of change that everything changes anything that we can touch, taste, smell hear, see or think about or imagine changes and because things change we can't hold on to them. And yet, because we want to keep things, and, and and again, I think it's because at some level we know that things change, and so, and we don't want that to happen, because there's security in the absence of change, we try to hold on. And so the, the, the failure to know that characteristic of things or the failure to remember it or to, to have it in our consciousness causes us to hold on and so the the the, the recognition of impermanence and the, and the and the deep experience of impermanence is a key insight for letting go. When we recognize that holding on, that attachment, that clinging, is the cause of Dukkha, then the ending of Dukkha is letting go. Just to let go. It's very simple, isn't it? Just let go. And sometimes it is very simple. Sometimes we just recognize the dukkha. We see what we're we see we're holding on to something. It's just ah, oh. and that letting go just happens. And the, the The Buddha the Buddha used a wonderful phrase. He said, "See how letting go is peacefulness." And we know that. We know that when we let go, it's ah. Oh. Wow. And yet the the these subtle dukkhas keep us holding. They keep holding. So we recognize that the 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 end of, of dukkha is in the letting go and then the question comes, how do I let go? You know, I see I'm holding on to something I try this, I try that, I do this, I do that I go here, I go there I'm really trying and the, and the, and the trying to let go just becomes more dukkha it's more struggle you just keep struggling and, and, the, and, and the problem here is that we've got caught in thinking of letting go as something to do and doing is just more holding And so rather than letting go, we're just holding more. So very important to reflect on and to remind ourselves that letting go is non-doing. Letting go is non-doing. And in fact, I think a better term to use and and I actually prefer rather than speaking of letting go I actually prefer to speak of non grasping so the so the 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 ending of dukkha which means the ending of the clinging is simply in non-clinging wherever there's non-clinging there's the ending of clinging the ending of dukkha and this applies to whatever it is again the, the the buddha said it doesn't matter what the object is whether it's a material object a non-material object an idea um, anything he said it doesn't matter what the object is clinging is clinging and no matter what the object is the ending of the clinging is non-clinging the ending of the dukkha, non-clinging. So in the, in the meditation, we bring the attention to an object, the sensations of the body. But actually, and, and, and we've spoken of this in, in the instructions and in, in, in talking about the meditation, but actually it's not so much the object that we're really interested in. In the meditation, in in resting with the object, see if you can just kind of switch the interest a little bit and take a little bit more interest in the relationship to the object. Noticing where there's taking up, clinging, holding on. Noticing where there's pushing away, aversion. And, and this morning I spoke about the feeling quality and the role that the feeling quality plays in that. And, and the feeling quality is the, the recognition of the feeling quality and its role in it is a very important part of non-clinging, of letting go. we can recognize that that the feeling is it's, it's just a feeling that arises out of the conditions in the present, coupled with conditions from the past, memories from the past, and out of out of the, the combination of these memories from the past and the, and the conditions in the present, a feeling arises. So, um, so a, a, a sensation arises in the knee, and and. So that's that's the condition in the present, and then so quickly the mind can remember. And again, this can happen without any awareness of it happening. The mind remembers the last sitting when a similar a similar sensation came up in the knee, and it became a pain. And through the combination of the arising of the sensation in the, in the present and the memory of the pain from the past, the feeling becomes unpleasant. Feeling becomes unpleasant. Then there's the tightening. Mm, trying to keep it away. And the tightening creates more. It intensifies it. If we can, if we can recognize that again, just to recognize that process and to see how the the feeling, it's just the feeling. It really doesn't say a lot about the sensation. What it's really about is our memory from the past and how we happen to be relating to the sensation in the present. If we can recognize this and just kind of settle into the, the feeling and that and that process of feeling, then again there can be just that releasing, just that letting go. The um, we've been we've been doing in the, in the guided sittings, and, and I hope you've been I hope you've been working with it, playing with it and cultivating at other times of the day the metta meditation. The metta meditation is a very good practice for cultivating non-cleaning. Very good practice for, for, for opening. For making space, allowing space. For recognizing relationship. And in that perhaps to let go to allow for a letting go we can do the do the the, the meta practice and, and bring, bring to mind someone who we have some difficulty with and, and I might suggest when you're doing the meta practice in the beginning choose somebody who you only have a little bit of difficulty with <laughs> that simply <laughs> Bring, bring, bring someone to mind and we have some difficulty with, and 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 through the practice, we can actually come to a place of just letting go of our ideas about that person. Have you seen it? Just ideas based on something that happened for five minutes, five years ago. <laughs> And the mind is latched onto it. It's held on to that. And based on that, there's this whole thing of difficulty. And, 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 and the metapractice can help us to recognize that in a way that there can be. Just a releasing of that. And just an acknowledgement of the person just as another human being sharing this world and sharing the dukkha in this world there can be a wonderful opening of the heart and a friendliness towards that person that's a letting go it's a non-grasping generosity is another wonderful practice for cultivating letting go Generosity gives us an opportunity to, to explore as we're being generous, as we're giving, to really look at, okay, I'm giving, but how much am I really giving? <laughs> how much am I holding back? How much of a struggle is it to give? What am I weighing in my mind? Oh, I could give this much, but then this would happen to me and i missed miss that. And, and all that goes on in, in the process of giving. A wonderful practice. A wonderful practice for, for, for cultivating and for, for coming to understand holding and the ending of holding. I remember reading years ago in a a Dostoevsky novel, writing about being in prison and how punishment would be um, having something taken away, like they take away your your blanket, or take away your cigarette, or um, take away your exercise privileges. So They punish you by taking away things. And, And he said, a very profound statement, he said, freedom is when there's nothing left for them to take away. Quite, quite a profound statement. There's, there's nothing left. And the, and the flip side of that is when there's nothing left to hold on to. The holding comes to taking everything away. There's nothing left to hold on to. Freedom. That's the ending of Dukkha. And um, and then Janis Joplin in the '60s saying, "Freedom's just a, I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> Freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. <coughs> nothing left to lose. We can only lose something if we're holding on to it. So if we're not holding on, what to lose?" There's no loss. There's no gain. That that non-holding, that absence of holding, is where the real freedom lies. Where the where the ending of the dukkha lies. So in the in the in the meditation in and in in, in meditation, including the sitting, the walking, the qigong. The moments in between, the eating, the standing up to move from one thing to another. Every moment is an opportunity to give attention, to pay attention, to see where is there dukkha, where is there just the slightest trace of dis ease doesn't necessarily mean discomfort. Discomfort and dis-ease are two different things. That's another important insight to recognize. Can there be ease with discomfort? Can there be ease with the unpleasant? Really taking advantage of the time here to give attention to pay attention to the, the to the the presence of dukkha in our lives. It's really a rare opportunity in our in our in our usual daily lives there's so much going on and we're so busy and things are happening so fast. It's so difficult to give the kind of attention that's needed to really recognize and, and deeply experience the, the subtlety. and to, to experience the subtleties in, in a way that, that the understanding arises. The understanding, the insight comes. There's just a, a depth of insight into impermanence. And and the insight can come with, with such depth and with such clarity that even when we go back into our lives with all the busyness and the speediness and so much happening we don't have to hold on to anything we don't have to oh I have to remember that insight I have to remember that experience I have to take it with me after this retreat we don't have to hold on to it it's with us and once we've kind of tapped into it and let it tap into us it comes the understanding is with us and the understanding of, of impermanence can can play such a such a major role in just recognizing where we're holding and oh what to hold on to. So really taking advantage of the time here. they really giving heart To the practice. Bringing heartfulness, bringing care, bringing willingness to really looking into our lives and looking into our relationship, how we relate to life, how we relate to all these things, all these things, the outer things and the inner things that come and go. They come into existence, have their life, play their game have their dance pass away as do we ourselves and, 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 the, and the more we can recognize this it's the, 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 the Buddha used the word fascination the less fascinated we are with these things in the sense that the less fascinated we are with them with things as a source of peace and happiness. And the more we come to rely on the inner knowing, the insight, the wisdom, the wisdom of the simplicity of letting go. It's very simple. It's so simple. There's it, absolutely nothing to do. So let's put together quietly for a for a minutes. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.